to see you guys. Uh, those who I can see, those who are not scared to um, switch their videos on. Well done, Josephine. Gavin, nice to see you guys. Um, <laughs> I won't out everyone, but uh, yeah, it's great to, to be together again. Um, our Zoom time is running out, guys. So our president has said we've got to get together physically. So we've got to make the most of, um, of being on Zoom and um, being able to see everyone from all over uh, Gauteng. So it's just great to have you here. Obviously, we're going to have some more people joining us as we uh, as the evening uh, kicks off. Um, as you know, tonight is another um, COVID shook my world and um, looking particularly at emotions, um, relationships, um, just a whole lot of different um, different issues that have been raised by this odd situation that we found ourselves in. Uh, we've got Jane Kratz with us. Um, hi, Jane. Thanks for being with us. Nice to have you with us. You. I am just going to open in prayer, and then I will um, start engaging with with Jane. Obviously, as you know, as per all Zoom um, etiquette, uh, Gareth has uh, muted us. He's enjoying having all the power, and um, he's hanging, clinging to that power for as long as he can. So don't feel that um, we're being rude by muting you. It's just otherwise our ears go nuts with all the different sounds, and we don't want any um, profanities coming from out of anyone's mouths in error. So um, let me pray, and then I will start chatting with Jane. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this evening. Thank you so much that um, you have allowed us to be part of your family um, at Christchurch Midrand. Um, thank you for this uh, evening that we can meet together like this. Uh, thank you for the, all this great technology that um, you've allowed us to have access to. And uh, yeah, we give you grateful thanks that we can come together as, as your family and we can think through um, some of the emotions and just some of the challenges that we we face during these last um, couple of months. Lord, I pray that um, if there are some people on our group tonight who are not part of our family, we, Lord, I pray that they might come to know and understand who Jesus is and uh, that their story uh, might be uh, impacted by the story of Jesus. So we do pray, we pray for that tonight in particular. Uh, thank you so much for Jane. Thank you that you have equipped her and um, gifted her with, um, with the gifts you've given her. Thank you that she's able to join us tonight. And we do thank you um, for her as our sister in Christ. So Lord, please, will you use the short time that we have together? Um, please, will you encourage us, teach us, um, help us to know you better, and just help us to be um, useful children of yours in your kingdom work. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Jane. So you and I are off mute, which means we are the ones who are speaking. Um, <laughs> so nice to have you with us. Um, 
many people on this group won't know who you are. Um, my introduction to Jane was in 2001 um, at Bible College at George Whitfield College. It feels like so such a long time ago. I suppose it was nearly 20 years. Um, so Jane, if you don't mind, it's always easier in this sort of forum if you could just introduce yourself and then if you could tell us a bit of your story, um, it would be great to hear from you. Great. Thanks, Kate. And thank you for the opportunity to, to share with you. And uh, yeah, always a wonderful to have an opportunity to speak about how Christ has, has worked in my life. Um, yeah, I am at Hope Church at the moment in Auckland Park in Johannesburg. As Kate said, we met at, at George Whitfield College, where I worked for, uh, I think it was about 11 years. Um, my late husband, Stephen, was the librarian at GWC, and we ran the bookshop together for quite a number of years, and I was involved in other administrative sides of the college. Um, yeah, and uh, more recently, uh, trained um, in biblical counseling and studied overseas for a while, and I've been back in South Africa for the last two years almost. Um, so it's good to be to be here and to be in a different format of ministry to what uh, I was when I met you. Yeah. And, uh, and definitely I've been growing. Um, the Lord has been working in my life since we first met in, in amazing and big ways. But um, I think I'll share first just uh, how I came to know Christ. Um, that was 21 years ago, pretty much. Um, I was christened as a baby, but uh, we never went to church or talked about God or religion in our home. And as a young child, I occasionally uh, would take the Bible off the big bookshelf in my dad's office, um, which was pretty dusty and buried beneath other books. Um, and usually that would be at a time when I was feeling a little bit lonely or anxious or hopeless. And I'd look at the index at the back, you know, for something to read on, on one of those aspects, however I was feeling. Um, but I really didn't have any understanding of the Bible or any context of, of how to interpret it. Uh, but that was kind of my early experience of, of the Bible. I, I attended a Catholic high school. Um, but again, I had no personal connection uh, with Christ or any interest in religion. I did believe that God existed. And I'd pray occasionally, but always in the privacy of my own mind. Um, and I believed that heaven existed and that I would go to heaven one day when I died. But I had absolutely no foundation for that belief. Um, and yeah, it was probably more based on my sense of being morally good than anything else. Um, the only times that I set foot in a church after school was for a wedding or a funeral. And very occasionally when we were on holiday at Christmas time, because some of our friends went to church, you know, we'd go on Christmas day. But, but besides that, there was nothing. Um, I think the 12 years after matriculating from high school, um, there was very much a sense of searching for identity or meaning. To be honest, it was probably more searching for some sense of happiness. Whenever I was bored or discontent, I would make a change. So I've had multiple career changes. I've lived in many different homes around Cape Town. 
different suburbs, different cities. So I'd always change the external things, thinking that that would kind of satisfy me or make me happy. But I definitely, there was an empty space inside of me that I just couldn't fill. I studied psychology after school um, and I got involved through that in the new age movement for a number of years. I uh, did holotropic breath work, which may be a very strange term and it is a strange thing to do. Zen meditation and Reiki and all, all sorts of interesting things. Um, and then in counseling groups, um, I shared for the first time some of my struggles with feeling abnormal and feeling less than others because I'd been born with some physical defects. Um, I started to get a tiny inkling as, as I did that, really sharing and in counseling groups, that my unhappiness was more internal than external. Um, so that started a bit of a shift. And then several years later, I became involved in a counseling group, um, a life training organization. And I attended their intensive weekend course uh, and got involved with them for the next sort of six years, at least. And during one of those weekends, I pretty much came face to face with my unacknowledged anger towards God for being born with a disability. And so I think that that was, was the beginning of a turning point for me. Um, and, and so both in terms of my perception of myself and in starting to desire a relationship with God, um, the God I'd shunned for so long, I responded to an invitation from a friend to go to church with her. It was a Bible, she, called, she described it as a Bible-believing church. Um, and yeah, I think from that moment on, like the spirit, I, what I now know to be the spirit of God started to, to work in my heart and to draw me towards church because having gone once, I kept going. And I, did, I know it wasn't of my own kind of will or volition. Um, and it was something I would never ever have dreamt of doing before that. And so when I, when I started going to church and attending even a Bible study group, prayer was a foreign concept to me, um, particularly praying out loud in front of other people. I had absolutely no idea what to say, and so I'd remain silent in front of others when they prayed. Um, but I continued in this manner for the next sort of 18 months or so, and the, the Christian Bible study group that I was part of, all the Christians in that group treated me as if I was already a believer. They never questioned uh, what I really believed and thought. Um, and deep down, I knew that, that I still didn't believe what they were professing. Um, even though I was open to being there and going to church. And, and so a couple of years later in 1999, at the age of about 31, I... I was about to change careers again, and I went backpacking around South America for four months, um, and then I was due to go on to the UK. And through a series of events, I won't go into all the details because that would take the full hour, um, <laughs> towards the end of my journey, as I was crossing the border from Bolivia back into Argentina, I ended up at an ATM machine wanting to withdraw some cash because I had no more cash on me. I just had some traveler's checks and my, my credit card. 
um, and I was going to catch an overnight bus that night to Buenos Aires. And much to my horror, the, the bank was closed and the ATM had an out of order sign on it. And uh, but the people inside the, the staff were cashing up. So they were still in there, but it was, you know, the doors weren't open to, for me to go and get some cash now that the machine wasn't working. And I was absolutely devastated. I've never been in a position where I've had no money, no one to call, no way of checking into a hostel or, you know, I was feeling sick. I actually had tonsillitis at the time and I was really scared. And my mind went to the worst case scenarios. Like I'm going to have to sleep on a park bench. <laughs> Something gonna ha really bad is going to happen to me. And so I just sat on the stairs and I, I just sobbed and sobbed. And eventually two women came out and took compassion on me. And they're like, what's wrong? And they suggested that I should go to the priest, to the church over the road that they pointed out to me. And uh, he would help me for the night, you know, kind of give me a place to stay or, or help me in some way. Um, and, uh, and then I could come back in the morning to the, to the bank to get my money. And I didn't say this to them, but what went through my mind was there is no ways I'm going to go and ask for help from anyone, much less from a church. And so um, I managed to, to kind of convince them to convince the bank manager to give me to exchange $40 in traveler's checks. And so I realized afterwards that God was starting to knock on the door of my heart. At the time, I didn't realize it. But, you know, I was being pointed, you know, kind of towards him and towards the church. Um, but he wasn't done with me. And so 12 hours later, you know, the next day when I caught my bus to Buenos Aires and on my second last night in, um, in South America, I met... Uh, two guys, a South African and a um, and an Englishman. This is not a bad joke. <laughs> it's not going to be <laughs> one of those jokes. Um, yeah, and and we toured Buenos Aires the next day together, and they heard that I was going to the UK. Mike was was a the South African guy was a believer, and John wasn't. And um, but they heard that I was going to the UK, and so we exchanged email addresses. And and then when I got to the UK, uh, about a month or two later, I got in touch with them. And Mike was wanting to disciple John, uh, who didn't know Christ. And he said to me, would you like to join us? I'm going to be reading the Bible together with him. Um, and you're welcome to join us. And And I said to him, Sure, I'm willing to do that, but on two conditions. I have two conditions. And he asked what they were, and I said, the first one is um, that I want you to know that I don't believe what you believe. Um, and that I can ask any question that I want. So he said, that's absolutely fine with me. And so we met for the next few weeks um actually a couple of months reading the gospel of john it was the first time i had read uh, an entire book of the bible myself um with somebody else 
And yeah, it was about three or four weeks into reading the Gospel of John together and just being more open, laying my cards on the table, not having this pretense um, that I was someone that I, you know, that other people thought that I was and I wasn't. So, um, and as, as we read through, through those scriptures, there came a point where I was due to go to the States um, for a couple of weeks for a leadership conference. And, and Mike said to me, I'm, I'm not telling you what to believe, but I'm not going to let you go without at least asking you where do you stand now? And I realized um, as I was challenged by, by him in terms of where do you stand, um, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit come over me and I realized I was sitting on the fence. I wasn't saying yes to Christ and I wasn't saying no, but by not saying yes um, to him, I was effectively saying no. And yeah, I just felt that presence of the Holy Spirit and I realized I could no longer deny that Jesus was who he said he was, um, as it was sort of explained in the Gospel of John by, by the Apostle John, um, that he is the son of the living God, the bread of life, um, the good shepherd and the only way to the Father and, and the one who had given up his life and died the death that I deserved to die for my unbelief. Um, and and for my sin, and that I would have uh, resurrection life. I couldn't deny him any longer. And I realized uh, that being morally good uh, was not what Christianity was really all about. Mm, mm. Um, that yeah. entrance to the life here really depended on a personal relationship with, with mm. him. So the Lord had to um, take you to South America and then to England and all over the place to get your attention. Um, so it is, is amazing how one story then, you know, as soon as you start impacting with the Bible, um, how the Lord used, yeah. you know, just the gospel of John. And it, it's such a, you know, such a stark reminder. And sometimes we forget that if we can just get our mates reading God's word with us, um, there's a chance that they can come to meet um, Jesus off those pages. So Jane, thanks for that. And it's good just to hear a little bit of your background. Um, we've been running, um, we'll come back to Jane in a second to talk more through some of the emotion stuff. But you would have seen um, church family at the last couple of meetings and the service on Sunday. We've been showing some video clips of some of our church family members and how uh, their story. So Gareth's going to play us. Um, I think it's my settlers lined up. Um, so yeah, so here's his story and then we'll come back to Jane. Thanks, uh, Gareth. My name is Matsitle Mampa and this is my story. I grew up in rural Limpopo uh, 51 years ago. Incidentally, yesterday was my birthday. So I found this sort of like a birthday a celebration, just to share my, my life story in Christ. I remember as a young boy, my mother uh, taking us to church as the first encounter with, with religion. And I thought ch going to church was, was like, you know, being just, just being present, being there, and, and God will be happy that I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in church. I remember sitting in church and my mind would be wondering of things that, that are outside the church. And one thing that I remember, gospel was never preached in church. 
And it was more about uh, the greatness of the bishop, which, which in our language is called Boholo Yamuhala Lady. So it was not about Christ. So I never knew Christ. Christ was never introduced to me at that stage. And then later, um, I did so well at school that I managed to go to, to varsity. I got a scholarship. And at varsity, I was, I, was, I was on my own. So I had freedom to choose what to do. And it's at that time that I became a rebel, basically. I never went to church. I started drinking. I started drinking at, 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 at adversity, I think, in my second year. And I will attend to all the parties at, 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 on campus, and I was that guy. And I remember, again, there was a friend who invited me to, to one of the churches on, on campus, and uh, I refused. And I wanted to achieve things in life, and one of the things that I wanted to do was to, to, to own my own business, which I achieved. And I thought life was about just living life to the fullest, and I never knew God. And I'm sitting here right now because God interrupted all that. And I'm one person that in the Bible when they say, in Romans, when Paul says, not even one person goes looking out for God, and I'm that person. And I now know through my, my, my reading of the Bible and through uh, Explore Course that um, God uh, forgave us when we were still sinners. And I'm that person. So I never chose God. God chose me, he interrupted all that. And the way he did it is, he took away all the distractions that I had. I, I had resources, I had material things that I, I used to worship and look after, look for. And I lost everything and I went into deep depression when my business uh, went under. And my wife is only when my wife um, suggested that we come to Christ Church. It was around 2014 that my life in Christ started. Uh, I'm so hungry now, I want to learn more about, about God and the Bible and how to relate to Him. God is not about what you do, it's about a relationship and Christ is our Lord and Savior and no one else. Thanks. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks, Matsetle. Um, what a great story. And um, we thank God that he has rescued him. Uh, what an amazing story. Um, each of us are different, Jane. And we see that. We see that in your story that you've shared. Um, we see it with um, just Matsetle here in his story, his personality type. So... Just thinking through um, what we're looking at tonight, this whole thing of emotions and uh, COVID and lockdown. So how do you think uh, lockdown has affected our different personality types? Um, can you mm. help us think through that, uh, those ideas? Yes, yes. Um, so I think, yeah, we, some of us can be described as more introverted and some as more extroverted. And I think uh, when we went into lockdown, for those who were more introverted, um, it was 
probably a great relief for many people not to have to engage other people so much. Um, they prefer to be on their own a bit. Um, whereas for those who are more kind of relational, more interactive, um, I think that would have created a lot more anxiety. For me, it certainly did. And particularly living on my own, the idea of not being able, especially in the hard lockdown, not being able to see people and engage them um, was really hard. Um, but I think also, though, even for introverts, five weeks <laughs> of level five lockdown, the most introverted amongst us, uh, I think, found that really hard in the end. And they wanted, they were longing for, for interaction again. Um, and for extroverts, I think there were opportunities uh, where they usually depended on human relationships a lot. Um, I know of some people for whom it has been a precious time um, of them learning to depend more on the Lord than on human relationships. And so there's been a mixture there. Um, coming out of sort of these harder lockdowns and integrating more again now has produced other anxieties again now, right? So it's change again. And so, so even for those who like relationship, um, coming back into more physical interaction, it's, it's an adjustment because we've now gotten used to not being as interactive. Um, yeah, and then there's, there's the Zoom side of, of it, which has also affected us where I think a lot of people, um, it's, it's been great to have Zoom, but um, yeah, it's still a different form of interaction and engagement, which mm. I have found to be quite stressful, to be honest at times. It's, um, it's quite different being in a context, for instance, in a Bible study group or a, a, you know, a meeting where you've got a lot of people with everybody with their eyes on each other all the time. Um, <laughs> do you keep your yeah. camera on or don't you? <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> certainly has, yeah. it has been a very um, challenging time. And I think uh, that point that you made that we, as Christian people, I think we, it's been a time where we've had to learn to rely on God um, because a lot of things have been yeah. stripped away from us. And just that the reality and that aspect of God as relational, uh, whether you're introverted or extroverted, yeah. uh, we are relational beings and we were all affected. And I, yeah. I certainly think there's been a lot of crying out to God um, through the Psalms, through our own prayers, um, just asking him to help us uh, make sense of this time. Um, so uh, what other factors have made um, relationships particularly challenging during this period um, that you've seen or people that you've talked to that have come with um, just different challenges? Yeah, so I think, I think lockdown has, has intensified or exposed like pre-existing anxieties or fears or struggles. Um, and some of the factors in kind of affecting that, I think that one of, the, one of the hard things is that people's normal coping mechanisms um, have been removed, particularly in this country where alcohol was banned, cigarettes were banned, um, well, the purchase of them was, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Legal purchases, I should say that, perhaps. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, for, for, for those people, what they were used to, now suddenly they're being forced not to have access to things that have been um, coping mechanisms for them. For others, uh, escape from violent husbands or partners has been an issue. So we've seen a, an increase in gender-based violence, which has made things a lot harder, um, I think, both for the perpetrators and for the victims of that violence, because the perpetrators would have also had their ways of escaping and, and getting out. Um, uh, gambling, movies, time out, even good things like time out in nature. It was really hard during the hard lockdown to not be able to leave your own property. <laughs> My way of exercising, I got so desperate for exercise at the, towards the end of lockdown level five that I did 37 laps around the garden to get my 5k park running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you hear, you've heard yeah. a lot of, we've heard a lot of those from a lot of people. Um, yep. And again, the, um, we, you realize how much we hide behind mm -hmm. the various um, vices, mm -hmm. um, yes. whether they're, they're good in the exercises, a good vice or whether they're yeah. bad in, um, you know, excessive alcohol or other yeah. things. So it, yeah, it certainly, um, it revealed a lot of those issues that came out. Um, also, I think that, um, you know, the, the call for us as a community to love deeply and show hospitality, um, mm. you know, that also was challenged, you know, um, just every, every aspect of our so-called normal lives, um, has been challenged and, and it's caused quite a lot of anxiety, I think, even, you know, within the church and within Christian people. Um, mm. So it has, you know, and I think to acknowledge that is also fine. You know, we, yeah. we're not superhumans. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you've also come across with people trying to deal with, with things, emotions from that point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, everything that we would normally counsel for people uh, to not, not withdraw, not isolate. Normally we would say, you know, to, to remain healthy emotionally and spiritually, you want interaction, you want engagement. Mm -hmm. And that's literally been turned on its head because the message that we've been giving out as churches and as communities is that to love one another well, we need to socially distance. Mm. And I think that's been particularly hard uh, for some people. I think of the of single people, people who live alone, um, the elderly. It's been incredibly hard. Where even now, even though we're in level one, a lot of the old age homes are still in hard lockdown. Mm. Um, I met I met someone the other day whose father had passed away a month ago from COVID. And he was in an old age home with, uh, there were about 12 of them in the old age home and six of them died. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, for them not to be able to engage their families, really, really hard. Hmm. Um, for pregnant women, <laughs> going into hospital, being tested, husbands in some cases not being able to be there for the birth. Um, and in fact, in one case in our church, um, a family member who who'd had had a baby um, because she tested positive they they kept her child separate from her 
um, <laughs> for four weeks. The brand new, you know, like newborn baby, first child, incredibly hard. And then also as people deal with grief and death, not, not knowing how to comfort somebody because you can't really do that physical interaction. And that's where a lot of the COVID um, cases increased was through funerals. And so churches have come under sort of, you know, kind of the scrutiny of, of secular society saying mm. they're responsible for spreading the virus, mm. uh, dealing with, you know, kind of funerals in ways that aren't as, um, yeah, careful as, yeah. as we may need to be to love one another. Um, I think it's also um, raised a whole lot of issues within, I think, the Christian mind about, you know, obviously the sovereignty of God and you know, is he really in control and all of that. So um, just a little bit of an advert for next Wednesday, uh, the 7th of October, which is a very special day. It's my birthday. Uh, so <laughs> please, let's not forget that. Um, but Royden's going to be dealing with the whole sovereignty of God issue and um, how we've responded to authority and things like that so yeah so don't miss that and, and encourage others um, to join us because you know you know we've been told as churches that we've got to be reaching out and then you know we're not allowed to so there's been all this conflicting stuff for us as Christians um, mm -hmm. and I think we've had to think you know and and really apply ourselves to how can we um, be who God wants us to be within these um, restrictions so we you we comment you commented uh, just while we were talking about this early on about even the wearing of a mask you know mm -hmm. you even that in itself is is causing stress because you can't see um, mm. what's going on um, with the person's a, face. The funny story of uh, uh, relating to that was this last Sunday it was my first time at our sort of in person church services and I was on the welcome desk you know and I was people registered online and, and, you know, like, please, can you give me your name? And this young man said to me, but you know me, Jane, you really <laughs> know me. And I'm like, I don't. And I've, I've seen him during the lockdown, but on zoom. So I've seen his yeah. whole, whole face. On. I was like, I had no idea who yeah. this was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's going to be a lot of that as well. Um, Jane, we're not allowed to talk about physical church because we haven't gone back yet. So don't get okay, uh, putting sorry. ideas in our people's heads. No, I'm just kidding, people. There is a plan. Don't worry. Um, Jane, um, another thought, the, this whole virtual reality relationships, uh, the, we've, we've done them for the last six months. Um, you know, is it, do you think it's viable and a viable alternative way of relating or do you think um, it's run its course? Any insight on that, um, that thought? Mm. Yeah, Kate, that's a good question. I think, I think for the short term and where there's been, where there's no other way of relating, yes, it's a viable alternative. Like if we didn't have the internet, we wouldn't have been able to do a lot of you know, online church uh, meeting with people so that people don't feel completely isolated. So it has been a great blessing that we have technology. Um, but for the long term, I don't think that that's a viable way of interacting. Um, the reason I say that is, is that God has made us in his image. 
He is Trinitarian, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he is relational by nature. But he's also made us physical and spiritual beings. We've body and soul, and we've got five senses. And I think I've particularly felt this as someone I'm widowed, living on my own, uh, to not hug anybody for six months until you in that position. Um, it's, yeah, he, he has created us for intimacy on every level, um, not just the visual, mm. but we, we need touch. We need to be able to kind of engage each other and embrace each other. Um, and, and spiritually as well, you know, he, he talks, talks about us gathering together, um, and, and he wants to dwell with us. There's, there's going to come a time where we will see him face to face. And yeah, and, and that's his intention. We've been created for that kind of interaction. Um, and, and so I don't think that virtual church is, is a, is a good long-term solution. And I, I think it's going to be a big challenge in terms of coming back to in-person church because we've had church in the comfort of our homes, um, you know, kind of people coming to watch the service with their cup of coffee and their pajamas <laughs> still, you know, at 10 o'clock, that kind of thing. And so it's, it's going to be challenging to make that change again. Um, and I think what's also going to make it more challenging, I remember thinking early on in, in the lockdown, it's going to be amazing when we can meet together again, because we're going to take the roof off that church singing, mm. but we can't. <laughs> we're not allowed to sing. <laughs> you know, we've still got our masks on. We're sitting a meter and a half apart from each other. And so even coming back in person is very weird and strange. It's mm. still not normal mm. and it's still a bit, yeah, awkward. Yeah. Um, I, I love the reminder, you know, that you pointed us to that, um, that picture of the end, you know, the new creation, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and all of us um, around that throne, um, mm. praising and worshiping God in physical, you know, in a physical situation. And I've heard some people liken this time of lockdown to to a partial hell, um, you know, that, that you've been isolated from all, from good things. And mm. we haven't been able to, to, to partake in things that are good. And, and that is, you know, if we, if you think about it, that is the description of hell is the absence of anything good, the absence of God. And, and there's yeah. certainly, like you say, as a single person, um, a widow, you know, you felt that um, acutely. Um, yeah. and, and imagine that for forever. Uh, fortunately, we can rather imagine that great day uh, when we will all be together, where we won't have the masks and we will be able to um, bring the roof down. So it is a great reminder that, you know, a lot of us have really enjoyed church at home and we have been grateful for it, um, especially the freedom to meet at our own time, you know, and we love to be in charge of ourselves. Um, and But even that, we have, all of us, if we're honest, have missed that coming together of the body of Christ. So it is yeah. going to be, 
um, great when we do get together. And I think mm. there's going to, hopefully we've learned and we, we're not going to take it for granted. You know, mm. um, sometimes us in the Western Oops. world, we, we quite um, lax with our church mm. attendance. So we'll see if we've, if we've learned our lesson. We're a funny people. So let's wait yeah. and see. Um, one of the emotions I think that has been big for most people in some way, shape or form is grief during this time. Um, this is, you know, when, when you lose somebody, when somebody dies, you have that physical separation um, and you grieve the absence of that person. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I think there's a lot of, um, opportunity in a way to to be able to identify with and have more compassion for those who are bereaved Mm. Uh, just through us feeling the intensity of that experience of being physically separated from one another Mm. Um, and 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 like being aware of that same separation that we have even now from god we have we do have an intimacy but there is still a, a separation Mm. Um, there, there's a fullness to our u- union in Christ, which is yet to come. Yeah. And so it's a wonderful kind of thing to look forward to that, that new yeah. Jerusalem, as you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've got a question also, um, guys, if there's some questions you have for Jane, just write them down to me. Um, just private message me or Rafa, that'll be helpful. Um, I've got one question here, Jane, just, um, how any tips on how we as a family of believers can help people coming out of isolation um, who you know are struggling to integrate back into society like you said it's we it's a six months which is a long time we created habits mm-hmm. um, some people m- might have cre- uh, become more anxious um, especially with you know the virus is still around um, so mm-hmm. other than the whole, just get over yourself, is there any helpful, any, have you thought through this? Have you been uh, confronted with that yet? How to help people mm-hmm. back into yeah. society? Now, again, I think, um, relationship is key and one-on-one conversations with people. We really, we really need to be respectful of <clears throat> where people are at. And so not condemning, like if I'm back at church, why aren't you? Mm. Um, and vice versa, you know, like how can you be so, so lax and slack? Um, so I, th- I think we, we do need to be sensitive to, especially to people who are likely to be more vulnerable. Um, and, and even just the fear is, you know, that people have that has been built up is not a, it's not an unwarranted fear. So even if they're not necessarily um, got some comorbidity, um, fear is is very real when you experience it, and so I think just having discussions, talking through it, um, asking people, you know, kind of gently challenging them if if need be, if it's if it is trying to assess and help them assess, is it just that they've gotten comfortable, um, or is there real fear that needs to be addressed um, or concern? But then I think what's also going to be really important is this church to create a safe space so so to when we're in community when we are meeting together to to not just walk up to somebody and hug them Mm. you know or 
So, uh, and to be wearing the mask to, to continue to exercise caution. Um, but then ask people, are you comfortable with me doing like an elbow greeting or so it's really going to be very relational. I think um, mm. not imposing ourselves on anybody um, mm. just being respectful and careful with people. So I think that's, that's really helpful um, because again, you know, we've been called to love and put others before ourselves. That's, I mean, that's a general Christian principle, whereas now it's almost like we've been forced to actually practice it um, quite aggressively. Yeah. So to really think of yeah. the other person before ourselves. Mm-hmm. So another nice way that the Lord is continuing to help us be more like him and more holy. So that's, uh, I think that's yeah. quite helpful. And, and I think that like yeah. what you said about not judging people, um, as we mm-hmm. said, origin, uh, right at the beginning, we are all different and, and we, mm-hmm. you know, the extroverts, the introverts, we're so different. And, just because you coping and and you fine, it doesn't mean the person uh, who you thought you knew um, they might not be. So, uh, relationships, being honest and really loving each other as um, as we've been instructed to always, I think that's a, yeah. a helpful reminder. Um, thanks for that, Jane. Um, the um how are we doing here um can you share an experience that illustrates the difference between this virtual relationships and uh, more interactive relationships so any any comments there yeah. yes so so i think what really illustrated to this to me it's not been during COVID times this was some time ago um we, we think of or we call things like um, Facebook social media as if, you know, it's kind of engaging and social. And in some senses it is. But but the the irony of that kind of really struck me once when I was struggling. Um, I, w- I was sick. My computer broke down. I broke the microwave plate. And I think there were two other things that all happened in the same day. And I posted something on Facebook um, and I got these all like, oh, shame, Jane, or I'm really sorry to hear that, or I'm praying for you. But there was one friend who picked up the phone, phoned me and said, I'm coming over. Give me your computer. I'll take it down to the computer shop. I'm bringing, you know, some medicines for you to help you. What do you need? And, and she literally kind of just was there. And so that made me realize, like, we, we have all this internet, you know, or Facebook or whatever kind of social media interaction. But it's not the same, again, as the physical, here I am, I'm on your doorstep, let me do this for you, how can I love you? Um, it's very different. Um, yeah, so, so I think that that just was a helpful reminder to me around just the way that we relate to one another and, and what loving in a gospel centered kind of way looks like that it's, that it's different to what our world is offering us. Mm, mm. Um, it's deeper and it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, the, that's so true. And we, mm. as a, the, the way the Lord has planned the church 
Mm. Um, when I say the church, I mean the wider church. The plan was that we would meet. I mean, we see that right from the word go. Um, the yeah. early church and all the issues that they had, um, they wouldn't have had those issues if they weren't physically meeting. Um, and the yeah. same for us. Sometimes we think... Um, this has been great, you know, that I don't have to see people, you know, I don't have to um, smell Gareth or smell David Kobedi next to me. I can just be here on Zoom doing my own thing. But yet, um, the Lord has yeah. called us to be together and to be his people together, uh, reflecting um, him. And uh, I, I hope we as the wider church and Christians have heard that call and that we are going to take physical meetings together seriously um, that the Lord has given us this great yeah. gift of each other of family and um, mm. and maybe we've we've taken each other a bit for granted um, and and it yeah. is real and it is different to what the world is yeah. offering yeah mm. um, yeah, yeah that's I, I, what comes to mind that I want to read to you is Hebrews chapter 10 mm. uh, verses 24 and 25 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's a great call, a great call to come together um, yeah. And the incentive there is because the day is approaching when the Lord will be back um, yeah. and coming for us. And that is such a great reminder. Um, mm. Jane, thanks for that. Um, thanks for helping us think through things. Mm. Um, I've got another question here. Um, do we as Christians need special skills to deal with people's emotions, especially mm. as we look forward to meeting physically? So I think it's it's hand in hand with the the first um, a question. But any do we need special skills? Can we forge ahead? <laughs> yeah. So so I think I think more well we I think more than anything else we we need um, we need to depend on the Spirit on the Holy Spirit and the Lord. He he is our equipper. Um, we need to be listening and we all are able to do that. I mean, that is a, it is a skill, um, but it's also not too difficult, difficult a skill for us to, to exercise and to really want to hear people's hearts and to get to know them. Mm. I think that that is more than anything else that people want to be heard and understood. And so just gently asking questions to draw out the heart, like, if people are anxious, wanting to know, well, you know, what is making you anxious? Uh, what are you concerned about? And then really listening. Mm. Um, and as they share something that'll lead you on to another question or another way of kind of just trying to engage what it is that they're struggling with. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, connecting them with other people who can help, taking them to scripture that can encourage them. Um, I, th I think every believer is has something to offer. And so exactly. I don't think these psychologists or counselors to be able to help one another. Mm. Um, Ephesians 4 really talks about the equipping of the saints. And yeah. so, you know, you're, we're all just members of the church and loving each other. 
we're called to yeah. love and care for one one another and carry each other's burdens yeah and um and we know that uh, um if someone has spoken to you and you are sharing that burden and praying with them, I think mm. sometimes um, we're a bit hesitant to, to pray. I don't know. We're funny people, but you know, when someone has prayed for you, there, there is just that, um, you know, that's such a tangible thing that we are looking to God <laughs> to help mm. us. And I think even now we can use these opportunities to really, mm. Um, you know, I think sometimes we, we scared of being seen as these crazy Christians, um, but the Lord wants us to be crazy Christians who love greatly and yeah. deeply and have a real passion uh, for people and a real care and concern for them. And, and it's almost like we've been given this opportunity now to really love um, and to show the love that we have in our hearts and we have it to share. So it's actually a great yeah. gift that we've got. Um, and so. I think I think what you said as well is is really important. Like prayer, prayer is a humble position. It's saying I actually don't know necessarily how, how to help you, but I know someone who can, yes. mm. and I'm going to point you to him. But I think what's really helpful there too, Kate, is is not just to say I will pray for you, but to where for those who are able to and and if you're not able to yet to to seek the lord's help on in this but to pray with somebody um is quite different to just saying i'll pray for you um because then they hear you declaring uh, what you know of the lord bringing to mind specific scriptures speaking truth um and depending on god and asking him for for help um, mm. so i think prayer is is really important and mm. sometimes it's it's helpful just to say hey i don't i don't know what to say but i'm here with you mm. Um, mm. i don't know how to help but just being honest if you're if you're anxious about helping them just saying that in itself can be really helpful mm. um and also you know linking with that we you know we say god's word above all things and we heard it in your testimony you know that reading john and the lord uh, opened your eyes so again to to really trust what we've been taught that god's word is living and active i mean you read from hebrews earlier on and um and he it will comfort people uh, we've got 150 psalms that speak mm. from one you know from a person's heart to your heart and and we need to trust the word of god and share it with people offering them real hope not just this yeah. uh, fake news that um that there's so much of that around um so i think that is also uh, something for us as as believers to really um show that we trust the word of god by turning to it and pointing people to it yeah and, and uh, if, if you're scared of pointing them to the wrong part of the word or you don't know where to take them to um it i've found it can be really helpful to say do you have a favorite scripture that that you find encouraging um and and they'll kind of say yeah it's in ephesians or it's in mark okay let's go there and, and then you can read a little bit of a wider context but the, you know that's a scripture that's brought encouragement to them in the past is likely to be particularly helpful uh, to them again um, if, if you can't think of one yourself. So you don't have to have all the answers. 
Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be, even be the one to find the verse in the Bible necessarily. Um, what, what we're wanting to do is to keep pointing them back to Christ um, and ourselves, right? Which is yep. like, as we encourage somebody else and pray with them, uh, we ourselves are receiving that same word. And so it's mutually encouraging. Great. Um, thanks, Jane. Um, guys, that's, um, we come into the end here. Um, there are no more pressing questions that have come through, but I think that's been really helpful, really practical. And I hope that, um, that everyone has um, felt um, encouraged from what we've heard. Um, it certainly helped me, um, especially thinking we don't need to know all the answers. We just need to be who we are in Christ and come alongside each other and continue to walk this road, but maybe a bit more deliberately than what we've done mm. in the past. Um, so Jane, thank you so much. Um, I know that you're around. Um, if anyone does want to talk to you, they can get hold of you via me. Um, I'm sure you won't mind. Um, and yeah, just thank you so much. I've asked um, David Kobedi if he will close for us in prayer. Um, Gareth, you might need to unmute David. I know you've still got the power. Uh, so Gareth, if you can do that while he's doing that, just to remind you, um, it's our last um, service, our outreach service is Sunday. Um, Sean Storer, most of you know Sean, he will be preaching and um, he is going to be sharing God's word with us. And please try and invite people. Um, like I said, our online uh, days are numbered and sometimes it has been easier to invite people. Um, you know, it's very unthreatening, uh, easier to just log in instead of walking into a church building for someone who's not a believer. So please think about inviting them for Sunday service, 9.30, and let's be praying uh, for our people uh, who we love, who don't know the Lord. Um, as we heard and reminded in Jane's story and Matsetle's story, the Lord is rescuing people, um, but he uses us. And we need to pray and ask God to continue to be merciful to our friends and family members. Um, so thanks again for joining us. Remember, we're back again next Wednesday, the 7th of October, uh, my birthday, just in case you forgot that. Um, David Kubedi, are you unmuted? Can you pray for us? Well, thank you so much, Kate. And thank you, Jane. Um, I'm just going to lead us um, in prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for uh, this time together. Uh, thank you for um, these great stories of uh, people coming to you, um, people who are autonomous, um, who wanted to do things their way, um, that you reach out and grab them and, and brought them into your, your story. So we thank you for that. Um, we pray for someone who might be searching, uh, who might be in a position like Jane, uh, that they uh, come to Bible study, they engage in the word, but they don't really um, believe this stuff, that they um, would have their eyes open, uh, that you'd help them to make sense of the Christian story, uh, and that they would make a decision to uh, come to know Christ. Um, so we pray, Father, for someone like that joining us this evening, joining us um, on Sundays, um, and thank you for uh, an opportunity um, for them to be part of, of this. 
Um, I pray, Father, for all of us that uh, the same gospel hope that's um, lifted us, lifted up uh, to us, and that it will be um, not only for those who are outside the church family, but uh, for every one of us uh, to navigate uh, these difficult times uh, through that hope. Um, so we pray that yeah, you'd help us to do that and that you uh, would help us to run to Jesus. Um, so thank you for tonight. Um, pray that as we come again next week, uh, that we'll be encouraged um, in our faith um, and be drawn to Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.